This is Darrell Lalea, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast, episode 133. What it do, baby? Are you ready to be the master architect of your life? Are you ready to design your business and invest the needs that create the lifestyle you've always dreamt of? Are you ready to learn from entrepreneurs and millionaires who have achieved a certain level of success? Hey, this is Derek, location-independent entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hi, I'm Gina Lofton. I am an investor, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey there, my name is Heather Havenwood, marketing coach and global entrepreneur. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey, this is Mark Asquith, the host of the 7 Minute Mentor podcast, global entrepreneur and all-round geek. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. I am MC Lobsher, the Cashflow Ninja, and you're listening to Before the Millions podcast. You're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. But whether you're looking to invest for cash flow or build an online business that allows you to be location independent, you've come to the right place mr hollywood himself presents the before the millions podcast and now your host deray olalaye what it do btm tribe welcome to another installment installment 133 of the before the millions podcast if you're not already make sure that you hit that subscribe button if this is your first episode this will not be your last on today's episode we are interviewing mr justin stoddard now, before I get into Justin's story, as we often do on the show, it's called the Before the Man's Podcast because we are going to walk through an entrepreneur's journey before the millions. In this case, we are going to walk through an entrepreneur's journey. Now, before we kind of get into the meat and potatoes, what's an entrepreneur? So I actually went and I looked up the definition and the short but sweet definition is this. An entrepreneur is a manager within a company who promotes innovative product development and marketing. Okay, so that just sounds like a ton of cool stuff, but we're actually going to walk through Justin's journey and really find out what type of innovative products is he creating and what type of cool cutting-edge marketing is he implementing. So Justin is an entrepreneur who often works with real estate agents. He works with title companies. He works with escrow officers. He's right in the middle of a lot of real estate-related decisions at his company. And what really fascinates me about Justin's story is that He was an entrepreneur before he was an entrepreneur. So he used to build custom homes. And it wasn't until he had that experience to where he realized that, hey, I'd much rather work inside of a system and be the creative mind or the creative genius in that system that helps that system prosper. Again, I I totally he's abiding by a totally different set of rules than you or even than I. Right. I, I just wanted to completely work out of the system and create my own system. Some of you are working in a system and don't want to be in that system any longer. Justin went to go find a system that he loves, that he wants to grow and nourish and work in and continue to be that entrepreneur. So he he gets a lot of the benefits of the entrepreneur, but he doesn't get a lot of the downside of the entrepreneur. So I think this is a really fascinating concept. And I can't wait for us to get into today's episode. You know, Justin is really fond of the mastermind idea. And I remember I was interviewed on this podcast not too long ago. He asked me a question that that had me search through my memory banks of one of one of my, my favorite memories of how I first became hip to the term mastermind. And I told Justin that one of the most profound moments in the book, um, Think and Grow Rich, was when Napoleon described the idea of a mastermind, not with other people that you meet up with 
but like the idea of a mastermind with some of the people that you may never have a chance to meet up with, you may never have a chance to brainstorm with, but that in your head, you've created like this collective board of directors. And that principle really, really stuck with me. And I've actually shared it on quite a few podcast episodes now. And every time I share it, like the host is like, wow, like I totally forgot about that part in the book. Like that was an amazing concept. And again, it's one of those concepts where there are a ton of people that I look up to in my industry, whether it's real estate or coaching and consulting or marketing or speaking or things like that. And I'm just like, dude, like when I'm stuck in like a hard place, when I have a a decision or a deadline or something coming up and I just need to know if I need to go right or left or, or do this or do that. I often consult with these people. This may sound crazy, I know, but I actually consult with about four or five individuals. And these are individuals that are at the top of their game in whatever industry that they're in. And I connect with them and and we all mastermind. And I kind of hear, because I listen to them and I read their books, I I can actually envision what their response would be, what what their advice would be. So I talk to them collectively and they often tell me exactly how to move forward in my business. It's crazy. It's weird. I know, but I do it. So anyways, on Justin's podcast, we kind of talked about that and I and I shared that with him. So if you guys want to go listen to that, definitely go over and check out the Think Bigger Real Estate podcast. It was probably the first time ever that I, I was I was speaking specifically to a group of agents rather than investors or entrepreneurs. So I had very different insights to share and I think you guys really enjoyed it. Speaking of masterminding, I am in the middle. And as you guys know, I've been running the Before the Millions Mastermind, facilitating a high-level mastermind uh, for the for a good bulk of this year, for actually an entire year. We're coming up on a year, and uh, we're planning our first mastermind meetup in the second week of November. Yes, the second week of November. And it'll be in Dallas, Texas. So so I'm figuring out dates as we speak, how long I'll be in Dallas. So I definitely wanted to connect as well with any and every listener who will be in Dallas for maybe like a happy hour or something. Haven't really decided. Still kicking a few ideas around that are going to surround my mastermind meetup, which is the number one overall most important reason while I'm there. But I know that I'll be there for a few extra days. So I would love to connect with you if you'll be in Dallas. I think Dallas is the second or third most concentrated base of the Before the Millions listeners. So um, so yeah, hit me up on Instagram or Facebook or email. Let me know if you're in Dallas and we can definitely, definitely figure out how to link up. All right, so we're going to get into Justin's story here in a bit, but I just want to preface the story again with letting you guys know that this is yet another path into real estate. Right. The past few episodes and actually a lot of episodes in the database have showed you different strategies and different paths and different ways of getting started and going about your footing in this big real estate terrain. Whether you're coming in as an investor or a professional, I think it would be behoove of you to make sure that the path that you're taking is ultimately the best path for you, not for anyone else, not because it makes the most money, but it actually gives you the lifestyle that you want. And that's super important to me. So if you want, head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash guide and go ahead and take my free assessment to where you can match up some of your preferences with the chart that I have in the assessment. So this assessment is going to give you an entree of real estate strategies and just kind of based on what you have going on, what your resources are and where you currently are in life. um, It's going to help you kind of filter through a lot of these strategies and pick ultimately the best strategy for you. And again, that assessment is over at beforethemillions.com forward slash G-U-I-D-E. DeRay's tip of the week. Tip of the week. Here's the thought. 
or a question or a thought and the question. Are you a go-getter or are you a go-giver? Now, I believe a go-getter is somebody who hustles, right? Somebody like Gary V. He's a hustler. That's what he does all day, every day, 24-7, no sleep. He's a go-getter. Now, when I think of a go-giver, I don't really have a popular person that comes to mind. But you could actually argue that Gary Vee's a little bit of both. I mean, that's why we know him today as Gary Vee, right? Because he adds a ton of value. And a lot of that value gets shared with the millions of people, right? So we may be able to classify him as a little bit of both. But what he promotes is hard work, hustle, grinding to the wheels fall off, the no sleep Texas, right? If I agreed with everything Gary said, the subtitle of my podcast wouldn't have the words lifestyle design in it. But there's a book called The Go-Giver, and it illustrates perfectly what a go-giver looks like. So on this show, we talk about go-getting versus go-giving. And I had an example of um, an individual who hit me up on, I believe, Instagram And um, he was kind of telling me a little bit about his business and what was going on and the effort he had been making. Right. And keyword, key emphasis on effort. And it was it was profound. It was astonishing. It was beautiful. I was like, dude, like you're 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 determined. Right. You're putting in 100 percent, if not 110 percent effort. Right. And with his mentality, like he's bound to get there, like for sure, eventually. But at the same time, I, I knew I could make it easier for him. And not just easier, but 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 faster. The thing about it is he was getting business, but, you know, he would get business one out of every 100 or, you know, one out of every 200, which is which is not bad. Right. Because if you put in a certain amount of effort, no matter what, like things have to break your way. If you put in a certain amount of effort for a certain period of time, that's just the law of averages. So in essence, You can put in a ton of effort to get to your goals and you will get there. It may take a long time, but just determined by the law of averages, you can put in a ton of effort and work tirelessly, right? And eventually get to your goals, no matter what. Alternatively, you can find ways to work a little bit smarter, right? That may help. You can find ways to automate or delegate or even delete some things that may help as well. But ultimately, where I want a lot of us to get to including myself, because I'm not there yet. But where I want a lot of us to get to is effortless success. And that may be the theme going into 2020. Now, the concept of The Go-Giver, if you haven't read that book yet, head over to pick it up and you can actually listen to that book for free via Audible, beforethemans.com forward slash book, if you want a free copy of that book via Audible. But if you apply the principles in The Go-Giver and you go about your business in a value-added way. So again, with this agent that reached out to me, he would go and, and just hit up a whole bunch of people and tell them, hey, if you ever, ever needed help selling your property or buying a property, I'm your guy. And again, while that's astounding, while I love his effort, while he's going to get clients that way, at the same time, it's a whole lot of effort. And in fact, I believe he's, he's overexerting himself, right? But the concept of the go-giver is a whole lot of value, right? Do you enjoy the effort that you're putting in? Is, is that enjoyable work? Right. That, that's the first thing, because we could flip it on its axis and say, hey, 
instead of putting in all this effort to reach out to people, just letting them know about what you do, how about you add a ton of value in these people's lives? How about you show them that you care? How about you be a go-giver and see where that gets you? Not saying that the effort is not important and that it doesn't work. But again, the root word is effort. And there's a lot of it that's needed if you're relying solely on it. Whereas with the go-giver mentality and the abundance mentality, which is what we're going to talk about on today's show, you could exert a lot less effort and a lot more value. And not only will you have more enjoyable work throughout the process, because the effort that you're making is not fun. It's just a process that you know you have to go to to get to the other end, right? But when you're adding value, you get to live your process because it's your life. You get, to, you get to be there. You get to enjoy it. So why not enjoy the journey? And through that, through that added value, through the go-giver mentality, business doesn't, doesn't just trickle in. It starts to rain in. It starts to pour in. Because that value is reciprocated. Nobody's going to put as much effort as you will in your business, but I guarantee you, if you add value to somebody else's life in one way or another, that value is going to be reciprocated. Oh, this, this tip of the week is eerily similar to some of the concepts that I teach in the motivated seller method uh, for investors, which will be out uh, early, early, early next year. But anyways, so maybe it's not choosing one or the other. Maybe it's being a little bit of both. So again, I ask, are you a go-getter? Or are you a go-giver? We'll talk more about this on today's show. So let's get to it. And now your feature presentation. Justin, how's it going today? It's going great, man. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for the invitation. I'm excited for you to be here as well. Just let the listeners know really quick, where are we speaking to you from? You know, I'm out of Portland, Oregon, just south of Portland, a little uh, suburb called Lake Oswego. Uh, but yeah, most Lake people Oswego. don't know of that. They know of Portland, Oregon, though. Yeah, I definitely know of Portland, Oregon. How's the weather? It's rainy. You know, it's uh, our typical fall season, uh, which um, it's beautiful. There's green trees everywhere. Falls, fall leaves are turning, uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's raining. <laughs> that's you, that's you, part you, of the course. If it wasn't raining, do you make it a, a practice or a habit to just get out and enjoy nature? Do you ever do that? Oh, totally. Yeah. Like rain or shine. If you live in this state, if you waited for the sun to come out, you would be a hermit. So you have to get out and enjoy it no matter what. You just have different gear. I went yeah. out for a run this morning and got wet and it's all good. I just read this book called Can't Hurt Me. And this guy is an ultra marathon runner. It's just insane. Just I love insane. that book. You read it? Oh, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. The reason I read it, well, I, I was, I'm a big fan of Jesse Itzler. And um, he, uh, he wrote two books. One, uh, one book was about the guy who wrote this book. Well, not about him, but he was in the book. He was, he was a primary feature of the book. Have you read uh, Jesse's books as well? Um, I have not, but I've heard about living with a seal. Living so with seal. Yep. Yep. So, so that's kind of what turned me on to this book, which is called um, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. And I just got done reading it this morning. I was just like, wow, crazy. What'd you think about it? I loved it. Same feeling you had. I just realized how much human potential is untapped uh, because our mind gets in the way and yeah. uh, you, you get your mind out of the way, which isn't a, a one, it's not a flip the switch and it's, it's out of the way. Like even for him, it took years and years of, of pushing limits and little by little, you start to realize I can, I'm capable of a lot more than what my mind was allowing me to uh, pursue or believe. He, he kind of has that rule where it's like when you think you're at your max, 
you're 40% of the way there. You still have a whole lot left in the tank. And I love that. Well, Justin, let, let's get into your story, man. I'm, I'm really excited to kind of kind of take a, a peel back. Um, I was on your podcast a few days ago, but I just want to kind of give the listeners a, a preface before we get into your business. I want to give the listeners a preface of how you decided and why you decided to even get into this industry, right? Real estate is such a big industry. Where did you place yourself? Why did you place yourself there so that we can kind of get full details on, on why you're on the path you're on now? Yeah, you bet. I appreciate that. We're going to go way back. We're going we're to reel that time machine way back. You know, my parents uh, statistically should have been really bad parents um, in the sense that they came, they were high school sweethearts, um, had a kid earlier than either of them were expecting. And the statistics show when you come from a home like that, it's not, it's not, you know, living in a mobile home when you're two or three years old, that's sitting on the back property of your grandparents' home. The chances of of, of those parents sticking together and going on to build incredible businesses are not good. <laughs> and that's, uh, I don't remember those days. I was, I was, I was pretty young, very young, three, when we moved to Oregon from there. Uh, but um, I do remember my parents having an immense amount of grit. Uh, they loved each other. They loved us. And they just worked their tails off. You know, they were, they had some street savvy, some street smarts. So growing up in an entrepreneurial family, um, I began to realize that um, although a lot of my friends' parents had fancy college degrees and educations, uh, my parents out, outsmarted, and I don't, it's not a competition, uh, but I saw um, our lifestyle became increasingly better as we went on. And it, it wasn't because we had a trust fund. It wasn't because my parents came from some fancy pedigree. It was really because they believed in the, in, in the power of the American dream, um, in the power of uh, you create your own destiny. And if you want it, you go get it. And I didn't know any better just because uh, that's just kind of how I was raised. And uh, <clears throat> I'm grateful for that. <clears throat> As I look at um, both of them who, who again, built very, very successful businesses, um, I didn't realize the impact that that was having upon me, that sitting around the dinner table, having business conversations, actually started my, uh, my business education at like the age of five when my mom started her company. And uh, so I'm, I'm grateful for that. I, I don't take it for granted. I try not to take it for granted. Uh, but I knew at a very early age that I wanted to make an impact. I wanted to live a life of impact. Um, and I believed that, or I've since learned that impact comes as a result of the results that we get, that when we have big results, then we're able to have big impact. And, but results only come from the activities that we do, the things that we do. Um, and the things that we, the activities that we do start with our mindset. The very first domino that we have to tip over is actually believing that we can achieve. And um, again, I felt fortunate coming from uh, a family where parents told us regularly that you can do whatever you want. Like you can, you can build and create a life. Don't let other people tell you that because we didn't come from wealth or because you didn't come from wealth or that because this or that, don't believe that. You can do it. You know, we live in the greatest country on the, on the, on the face of the planet, potentially in the history of the world ever, uh, that's abounding with opportunity. There's, there's people from all over the world that would, that would literally, and, and many of them um, sacrifice everything to have the opportunities that we just roll out, roll out of bed and stumble upon every day. And so I'll, I'll, I'll kind of take you back to, to that's kind of the, maybe some of how my DNA was formed is that I'm, I'm extremely humbled and grateful um, to live where we live, not just geographically, but also uh, this time in the world, you know, where we have information and opportunity at our fingertips. I mean, I look at what you're creating today, which is giving people the ability to be lifestyle entrepreneurs through the power of real estate. 
you know, what an amazing world in which we live where we can follow a guy like you who's done it himself, who's now sending, sending the elevator back down to help other people do, you know, create a similar lifestyle. So I, I thank you for being that kind of person, that kind of leader. Um, you know, that kind of early childhood story um, uh, led me into um, having an interest in kind of the, the overall real estate industry. You know, my, my, my dad was a realtor for uh, part of my childhood. And I feel like we were always touring homes, whether we were um, buying or selling or not. It's just, we'd always walk through real estate. So it was kind of in my blood a little bit. And uh, we got to a point actually where um, I was getting ready to head off to college. I'd already I'd served a two-year mission for my church down in Brazil, was home now. And I was um, at a point where I was kind of trying to decide, like, what is my life going to look like? Now, my parents had both built great businesses, but I did not have interest in stepping into uh, and inheriting what they had built. I felt like I wanted to build it. I wanted to build something myself. Um, and maybe that's egotistical. Uh, maybe it's just the fact that I, I believe that when, when we build it, we probably care for it more and we get the great privilege of becoming something as we build it. And I think that's, um, you know, the good fortune of, of, um, interviewing Grant Cardone recently. And he talked about the, the, the really the blessing of, building something huge and great is that in the process you have to become something very, very differently or something very, very different than if you just did something small. And so not that everybody needs to build something big and great, but that is one of the kind of the fringe benefits of, of building it yourself is that you get to become something yourself. You get to become something more than you would have been otherwise. And so uh, I had an interest in the real estate industry was hired by a home builder, high end custom home builder, uh, to build custom homes. And uh, I did that for about six years in part under his umbrella. And then I'd left and started my own high-end building company. Uh, 2009, I finally closed the business um, in part because the real estate industry had completely collapsed. Um, and secondly, I realized my passion really wasn't building homes. Even when times were good and especially when times were bad, I didn't have a passion for building homes. Um, I had really a passion. What I found is I had a passion for building business um, and I had a passion for building people. And so that became kind of a theme that I really tried to seek out and pursue is how do I, how do I build a business and a life that has me building other people while I'm helping them build business? Uh, that led me to the title and escrow industry where I'm currently at. Um, and that industry, I'm, I've really sought out to be a, a disruptor or a challenger, challenging the status quo of what a partner to a real estate agent can look like. You know, for the most part, my, uh, my, my competition and even how I started off is very much show up as a vendor. Hey, let me, let me take you to lunch. Let's be friends. Let me tell you what my team can do for you. It's very uh, transactional. It's very kind of secretarial, not very deep value. And, and people I think work to try and create a lot of value in uh, like a chummy relationship. And I think a lot of us in sales relationships, we have plenty of friends. Like we've got lots of friends. We don't, that's not a need that we're looking to solve. Now, if we become friends in the process of doing great business together, I'm all about it. That sounds great. Um, but if that's your value proposition is, hey, I want to come here and let's be friends. I, I just, I think that's a losing proposition. Um, so anyway, I've set out now for the past five years, I've been building uh, what launched here as a, as a, a title and escrow company here in Portland, Oregon. Uh, I'm now being asked to kind of train regionally and hopefully nationally here soon on these things that I'm, I've, I've discovered, which is this paradigm shift of helping people in sales professions. And this is really the topic of the book that I'm, I'm writing. Anybody in, in sales professions to move from being a solicitor, which is outside looking in, very transactional, uh, no strategy, just cold calling in, 
moving up to becoming a vendor, which is you have a trusted relationship, although you're not very valuable. You could easily be replaced with a different vendor to then migrating up to becoming a peer. And at a peer level, they see you how you see them. In other words, for me, as a top producing professional in the Thailand escrow world, I look at my customers as peers. In other words, they're a top producing professional in their industry. I'm a top producing professional in mine. So that when we have conversation, it's peer to peer as opposed to peer to vendor. There's more respect and there's more value that I can bring to the table being in that spot. And then the last kind of quest is how do I become a mentor to my customers to where they need me to teach them something. And I'm not talking about within the silo of work. So for example, we're not talking about teach them something in title and escrow. Of course, they need my team to, to do that and do that well and teach them about that. But what about teaching them about business? How can I be developing business strategies that are so interesting to them that they ask me to come mentor them? When you can get into that kind of relationship with clients and prospective clients, um, it changes the dynamic in, entirely. They need you as opposed to you needing them. Um, and that's not, that, that's not just an, an, an ego thing, maybe in, in part, but I think more importantly, it's, it's a value proposition that rises above industry disruption and keeps people from, um, from, from being able to easily replace you and especially being able to replace you with, um, you know, with artificial intelligence and, you know, other forms of technology. So that's, that's where I am today. Part of the way that I've, be, I've stepped into that role of being more a peer and mentor is, um, again, my show, which, which I had the great privilege of, of um, having you on today. So I get the opportunity to interview amazing people like you um, day in and day out that pour into me and make me smarter of which content that I'm able to repurpose to show up to my customers and give them curated information that's specific to the concerns that they have. So all of that kind of fits within the, how do I, how do I really move into a mentor role with my mm-hmm. customers and potential customers? Yeah. Your primary customer base, they're, they're realtors. That's right. Yep. Real estate okay. agents. Real estate agents. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Sure. So I've learned, I've learned a lot about you in the past few minutes. I have so many, so many questions and I grew up in a single parent home and um, my mom, she's one of the most amazing, if not the most, let me, let me replace that. My mom is the most amazing entrepreneur <laughs> I've ever come across. Really? Um, she's built at least half a dozen to a dozen businesses in my lifetime. It's kind of dope having a entrepreneur as a parent, but at the same time, you know, there are cycles and it's cyclical. So you, you'll, you'll see like when you're in fifth grade, you get all the brand new shoes, you get all the Jordans. And then when you're sixth grade, like you're worried if you're not going to be able to pay rent, you know? So it, it had those ebbs and flows, like all, every single year it was never consistent. And I think about the fact that I never, I never had the, and maybe it was, it was deep inside of me because I still think about some of the things that I used to do as a kid when I used to, like, I didn't play with a whole bunch of Power Rangers and, 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 and NASCAR and all of that. Like I used to like print, like I used to write and cut up, cut up paper and pretend it was money. And that I was running like organizations. Like I was, I was on some other stuff. I don't know. But anyways, but apart from, apart from like those little signs, I never had the foresight. I never had the vision to think that I was going to be similar to her. I was going to be an entrepreneur. Like I, I knew that I was going to go to college and even, even like her, her, her verbiage to me was like, Hey, go to college, get good grades, make sure when you get good grades, you go get a high paying job. Although that wasn't what she was doing. That was what she was telling me. And that was also the path that I I decided was best for me. Right. So you talk about your upbringing and because your parents were so entrepreneurial, you had already decided that that was something that you wanted to explore. You went to Brazil and you were 
you were uh, on your mission. I'm just trying to think about your self-talk while you were while you were in Brazil. You knew that you know there was a definitive end date. You knew that maybe quote unquote the rest of my life is going to start when I get back. What was what was the plan? What was the vision? Was it was it all was it were you already set on real estate or what brought you what brought you back into the real estate world after growing up with a dad who had you in and out of houses? Yeah, you know, I think um one of the hardest things that I went through as a child that I mentioned, uh, my parents kind of beat all odds and all statistics is that uh, they started to grow apart later in my um, kind of late teen years. And uh, uh, my parents ended up getting a divorce just before I left on my mission. So um, that was tough because I, I was leaving a younger sister, uh, my only youngest sibling um, in kind of, you know, what was now a broken home. Now both my parents were very good and stayed involved. Uh, but when I came back, my dad had, was, was remarried and he, he had married a realtor. Um, and so, uh, you know, obviously I was happy for him, um, ideal situation that wouldn't have happened. Right. And they would have, my parents would have stayed together, but sometimes, you know, life doesn't turn out that way. And, um, he found somebody who I absolutely adore and love. And, uh, she planted in my head really early. In fact, right when I got home off my mission, they said, Hey, we're flipping homes, you know, uh, you should come help us. And so, um, I began kind of doing some of the grunt work and pretty soon, um, I said, I want to do this kind of at a higher level. And they said, well, let us help. Uh, like, let, like I can help you find the homes. And then we put together some creative financing strategies. And um, I flipped a couple of homes on myself before I ended up going back to college. And so I think it was at that point that she said, you should become a builder and you'll give me all your list backs. <laughs> and um, I was like, I didn't even really know what that meant. But when, but I, when I went off to college in a different state, um, I started to look at the real estate industry was pretty hot. And uh, lo and behold, I started to make some connections and networks into the real estate industry. And so I think I probably had a general interest in the topic from an early age because my dad had been in real estate and because we'd been around homes and talked about homes and we'd, you know, we'd moved quite a bit as, as a kid. Um, and I think maybe it was around that time, maybe later high school, I was introduced to the book, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, started to realize, you know, the difference between liabilities and assets. Um, early in our marriage, I remember my wife about choking when I bought a, at the time a $200 board game called cash flow. <laughs> She's like, what? <laughs> board games are supposed to be like $30, not $200. Yep. So um, anyway, that, that's all of that. Um, I was kind of training my brain to realize the power of real estate and not just the power of real estate, but the power in the people that were attracted to real estate. You know, you look at anybody, you know, from the president of our country on down um, that people that have made wealth, that have done significant things in, 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 in business in large degree have large real estate portfolios. Like there's no, there's no arguing it that real estate plays a very significant role in people that are successful. And, um, I think it's, uh, you know, I, I started to realize that and learn that realize that I wanted to be part of the industry somehow. Yet again, I realized that building homes, I really was really kind of unsatisfied managing subcontractors day in and day out. Um, and really the passion that I found was in how do I go strategically get new business? How do I really, beat guys that have been in the building industry for as long as I've been alive. How do I, how do I, how do I show up to that and win that? Like that became like an adrenaline that's rush. That's a great question. And, uh, and so that's, that's got kind of some, some methods that I developed that I've now uh, carried over into my current industry and I'm now writing in the book, uh, you know, on, on kind of how to, how to, how to obtain business in very strategic ways. So let, let's talk about being strategic in business because I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that your lifestyle design, your entrepreneurial bug and your entrepreneurial spirit 
is being fostered through this company, through the title and escrow company. It's not your title and escrow company, but yet you have the the leg room and the wiggle room to be entrepreneurial inside of a business. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, yeah, I'm part of a company that has $17 billion in, in reserves, right? I mean, title and escrow companies are very large um, insurance companies, right? And you would think that they'd be very slow to innovate, not the place for an innovator, not the place for an entrepreneur. I'm fortunate to work directly for an individual who came out of the real estate space and realizes that the, the most important thing that this big behemoth of an organization needs right now are innovators, are entrepreneurs, right? People have an entrepreneurial spirit, but apply that inside of a bigger corporation. And I, um, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm being asked now to take some of these entrepreneurial ideas and take them out um, to other areas where our company exists in order to, to teach and train how to have this entrepreneurial spirit and these unique innovative methods to get new business and keep existing business. So I, and I may have mentioned this before the show, but when, when I initially wanted to go into the strategy portion of this show, it was to talk about the fact that, Hey, there are new innovative ways to get new business, especially for realtors. We're going to show you how guys, we're still going to show you this, but Justin has just like set off a light bulb in my head because again, I, this is the first time I'm interviewing an intrapreneur. So <laughs> I want to talk to the listeners who are like, do like I work in a business. I work in a real estate related business. I, I, I know that I have this entrepreneurial bug, but I don't, I, I don't see how I could, I could use those skills. I don't see how I can, I can build a brand. I don't see how uh, this is an asset to me. Like my job is weighing me down. Whereas your mindset is no, like I'm an entrepreneur. Like my job is, is my platform. And if you look at most title and escrow companies for them to have the foresight that look, this is the 21st century. We are, we are in, we're going into 2020, right? Social media, the internet, you know, this plays a large part in how we do business and how we get business. So the fact that the, 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 the gentleman that you just mentioned was like, Hey, Justin, like I see an opportunity here and I think you should run with this again, being an entrepreneur, I want to, I want to dial back to how and why he decided that you're the right fit. Like what, like, again, it wasn't his decision. I think it was your decision, right? It was like, Hey, so how did you put yourself in place? Right. To be able to utilize your skills or some of the creativity that you had. Cause most people are like, I have a job. All my creativity is gone. No, but you don't look at it like that. You've built your ultimate lifestyle design inside of your workplace. So kind of walk me through how, how that's come to be. And maybe some advice for some listeners who are in a real estate related field and they know that they have skills and talents that they can use. They just haven't been able to have the right conversation or leverage the right relationships. How did you begin on this journey? That's great. I think most things we, we see really clearly the path in hindsight. You know, at the time, um, I was coming out of a, of an industry that was that was struggling deeply, and I needed a job. Right? It wasn't that I said this wasn't my master plan from day one of like I'm going to go get this job and I'm going to become an innovator and a challenger and a disruptor and create a really great space inside this big company. It was more like no, I've got a wife and I've got four kids and I've got to get a job. Right? And it was like this is like it was actually a good friend of mine. And probably a lot of people that are listening to this that are in current jobs, like when you're in kindergarten, you don't say, I'm going to, you know, I'm like, I'm going to have a job working for a company, right? That's not as sexy as being an astronaut or a policeman or a, owning my own business, you know? And so um, I think I desired uh, to um, have my own business. And in fact, the guy who hired me, who I'd known since middle school, and that's really how this came to be, 
I'd reached out to him because I was looking for a job. Like it was, it was time, right? The industry had, had fallen hard. <clears throat> and he, he had said to me, um, the, the role that I could hire you into, I'm pretty sure you don't want to do. Mm. Uh, my stepmom, who is a realtor, validated that saying, yeah, I know what those people do. Like business development specialist for a title company. Trust me, you'd be so bored. And she described exactly what I described as a vendor, right? As somebody who shows up, tries to create this chummy relationship that um, based on, let me buy you some, some, some food and maybe pick up some of your costs and you send us business. And it's just not valuable, right? There's no deep value there. And so both the guy who ended up hiring me and my stepmom had validated like this isn't a place for me. Nevertheless, I went and sat down with him because I, I valued his network and his opinion. I was really aspiring at the time. I was kind of shopping uh, franchises. Do I buy a business? Uh, are there people that want to get out of their business that I could run and take over? Like that was my thought process, but I needed a job today. And so uh, I went and met with him looking again for a job, not necessarily from him, but he offered it to me. And I thought, boy, that's um, better than I thought the offer was going to be. That'll work for a little while until I innovate and figure out what I want to do next in, mm. for myself. And about a month into it, I came to realize like, there's a really big opportunity here that there are title and escrow companies are on the front lines of seeing the challenges that real estate agents face. And real estate agents right now are in the crosshairs of big tech companies. Like make no doubt about it. Massive tech companies companies, um, are investing billions and billions of dollars to figure out how to replace what a real estate agent does and gets paid or to remove the real estate agent entirely from the transaction. Like there's like, they're not even hiding it anymore. Um, and so knowing that that could, that that is going to be a massive shift. Um, I realized that there was a big opportunity for me to step in and help as an advisor, as a consultant, as somebody who could talk to um, a real estate agent and, and teach them some of the things that I had learned as a high end home builder of how to survive and how to thrive when the odds are against you. And so that became kind of my niche of like, you know, I've owned a business in the real estate space as well. I was a home builder. Um, I had kind of no business and it getting business, right? I was 25 at the time building one to $2 million homes against guys that had been in the business for 25 years, right? Like all odds are against me, but I figured out a few really interesting ways to get that business and win at that business uh, that, that I found to be, that have, have now found to be very, very valuable for real estate agents and how they approach their business. And so, um, you know, for the past five years now, I've fallen in love with this seat that I sit in, which is I get to be very entrepreneurial. I get to be like, nobody dictates like where I'm at, what I'm doing. I, I work probably longer hours than most people in my company uh, because I'm fired up about it because I realize that there's a big problem that real estate agents are facing. And I really feel like I've got some, some, some ways that I can genuinely help them. And so it just, it just kind of evolved. And I think for anybody that's listening that might, um, you know, that might feel that way. I think there probably is, you need to have an environment of people that are experiencing a little bit of pain. If everybody's comfortable and no one has any problems, you or your customer and you're simply there playing defense, keeping customers happy and not losing them. Yeah. There's probably not a lot of opportunity, but if you're with a company, like again, I went, I, I got hired by a company again, huge national company, but we were new to this area. Like our backs were against the wall. We had to get out and prove ourselves to where they were open to new ideas. So I think, being an, an entrepreneur mm-hmm. requires you to be working in an environment where there's, there's a, there's a need. It's not just playing defense. It's playing offense. Like we've got to go get business. We've got to take it from somebody else. Um, and so that's what allowed them to have a, probably a little more Liberty with my methods. And, uh, 
you know, kind of allow me to experiment with some things that, that were way outside of the norm of what a title and escrow company um, could do and how they could show up. You know, I, I, and I could be totally off base here, but I feel as though maybe 99%. So, so, so 99 of, out of every 100 people in the business development role have not explored and done some of the things or had liberty to do some of the things that you've done in this role. So, so I want to talk to maybe your first, and we're going to call it crazy, but obviously, you know, there are a lot of these ideas that have worked and they've really taken off for you, but your, your first crazy idea that you presented to the, to, to the business. And they were just like, dude, we've never even thought about doing that. Or that's, yeah. that's absurd. Like, why would you, I mean, that's not going to work here. What, what was that thing? Um, there's a couple that come to mind. Let me start with, with masterminds. Um, you know, I wanted really quickly to be in business with the highest producing real estate agents in the city. And, uh, there was kind of like, well, you kind of got to earn your way up to that. Like, why don't you go get some of the newer agents that don't have a title and escrow relationship? And I'd go meet with them. And, and again, I hadn't been a licensed real estate agent. So the things that they needed to know, I didn't know. And it was like, I can connect you to our company tools. I mean, just the same crap that my stepmom had said, you would hate that. Don't do that. I mean, that's what kind of they were encouraging. Like, this is how you start. And I was like, no, I want to go be, I want to be in business with the big dogs. I want to be in business with the people that are you know, that are, that are actually sending a lot of business. Um, and so I began to kind of find like in, in my initial, the initial feedback I got was stiff arms, right. From these big producers of like, we're good. Appreciate it, man. But I've, you know, I've had my company, I've, I've, I've had the same title and escrow company for 15 years. I'm good. So I realized that it, my value proposition couldn't be about the silo of work that I was working. It couldn't be about title and escrow. They were already very well taken care of there. I had to figure out a way to solve other problems that, that they hadn't yet solved. And so um, one of the things that I, I realized is the power of a mastermind. I know when you and I spoke earlier uh, this week, we talked about masterminds and Napoleon Hill and, and kind of his, his uh, beautiful teachings on that topic. And I went to one of the agents and I, here in town, I said, would you be interested in coming to a mastermind? And, he, and he, his response actually surprised me. He said, you know, I haven't found masterminds to be you know, worth my time. I was like, really? Because the masterminds that I'd put together for myself, when I own my own business and even um, in my role now, it's like, they, they're very valuable. Tell me why. Um, and my company's kind of like, you're going to hold masterminds with the top producing agents in the city, um, all from different brokerages. And I'm like, yes, that's my vision. And they're like, okay, good luck. Like, let me know how that goes. <laughs> and sure enough, like there wasn't like super warm feedback right away. But once I got one or two people convinced that we could do it differently and that it could be like a board of directors, right? That it, it wasn't going to be a class because a lot of the people that were, that were initially resistant interchangeably use mastermind with class. In other words, mm. anybody can come. It's not exclusive and we're going to choose a topic and you're going to like it. <laughs> and it's for someone whose dollar per hour is $500 an hour. Cause they've got a massive real estate team and they're doing massive like that. The risk of going to a two hour mastermind is way too expensive um, to say yes uh, blindly. Right. And so um, once I got a couple convinced that, Hey, th these are some of the parties I'm going to have there. They're like, I'd come if he's going to be there. I'd come if she's going to be there. And so then I started to put together a group of agents and nobody had done this before of like taking agents from different brokerages and bringing them together, not to teach them a class, but to allow them to teach each other. And I think the, the, the breakthrough that I had is that, again, I was trying to position myself and pivot myself from being a vendor to being a peer. And if I could sit at the table with those people and lean on experience from my previous businesses and be able to, to allow them to almost demonstrate live and in person that, Hey, I've got some advice that, that is comparable to your other top producer peer over here. 
all of a sudden they started to see me differently. And they, and I wasn't a vendor. I was a peer. I was a top producer in my industry and they were a top producer in theirs and they respected what I had to say. Um, and let me, let me interject really quick because I, I love this and I love stressing on this point, you know, and now this has debunked the myth for a lot of people who are like, well, I'm not that entrepreneurial. I haven't gotten started yet. Who am I to host a meetup, right? Who am I to host a mastermind? Like, Justin, you are out of your depth in some people's eyes, but in your eyes, these were your people, right? But because you had a totally different mindset and, you know, I see that crossover to the podcasting world, right? Because it's like, hey, you know, I, I have this platform and because I have this platform, I'm able to have normal conversations with people that I normally probably wouldn't be able to have a conversation with. Right. So when I tell people, Hey, go host a meetup. It doesn't matter if you're brand new, right? You put a couple of realtors in that room. You put a couple of investors in that room. You put up a couple of newbies in that room. That room is going to be fire. It's going to be amazing. Those realtors are going to add value. They're going to be happy because you're bringing them new clients. The actual people out in the crowd, they're going to be happy because now they have a resource, right? And all of this has been constructed by you who, ha- who doesn't know anything. But as the facilitator, you're looked at as a thought leader. And that's a, an amazing way to build your business. And I see a lot of those parallels in what you're doing. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I wanted to interject that really quick. Well, that was great. I love how you teach that. You know, one of the things that I, I, I needed to demonstrate from, from day one again, is that I, I wasn't just the meeting organizer. In fact, I had this aha at one point, um, you know, the, the aha was that I, I, a lot of my peers, the, uh, sorry, a lot of my competition showed up as meeting organizers. It was very common to do, we'll, you know, we'll call it a meetup because I know that's the term you, you use. And they were simply there to sell themselves. It's like, thank you for coming. We have a guest speaker over here. Let me tell you all about my great title company. And, and you know, let me tell you all about my escrow officer. In other words, they were simply a meeting organizer and their job was to step in and um, organize uh, um, a meeting. In other words, they weren't part of the value. They just were the little three minute commercial prior to the value beginning, mm. like what, like detrimental to their identity, right? Or not detrimental, but it puts them right where everybody expected them to be. So, you know, what I would say at the, at, at, at the beginning of the masterminds is that, look, I'm not here uh, to, to talk about or sell my products and services. Like that's, we're not here to talk about that. I'm here because I want to learn from the brightest minds in this city. And I feel like I also want to demonstrate to this group um, that I'm different than a typical vendor, that I'm actually your peer and that I can play a big part of your business so that it becomes natural at some point for us to be in business together. And so, um, you know, just the scripting and the, and the conversations from day one were very, very different, even from the very invitation, right? It didn't come in the form of an Evite or an event bride. It came in the form of like almost what kind of looked like a wedding invitation, like a nice envelope. Like, what is this? You've been invited to an exclusive mastermind with the top 2% of producers in the city. It's going to be at this country club. And they're like, I can't miss this. I miss a class that I got in, 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 you know, an invitation from an email, but this is, wow, I feel, I feel important. Right. And they are important. And so from day one, kind of the, the, the method to help people feel that this was different and that I was different was, was very uh, strategic and calculated. Cause I knew that, um, you know, the kind of the gravity pulling me back into that vendor role in their eyes was very, very strong. Like everything had to be set up to where it spoke differently that I'm, I'm a peer, if potentially even a mentor, to help you get to where you want to go. I'm just in a different industry. I'm not here to sell you stuff. Now, at some point, if you if you want to bring me value for the value that I'm bringing to you, and you want to do that in the form of of, of sending me business, I'm okay with that. But that's not my initial intent. It's to learn together, to grow each other's businesses, yeah. and then naturally you end up doing business together because your your value proposition is like you described. It's not just you anymore. Your value proposition becomes an extension of all the people in the room. 
yeah. uh, which is That's a really beautiful. powerful place to be. That's beautiful, man. And and before we get to the to the next section, I definitely want to get into a little bit more strategy, but um, just kind of close a, a, a lid on this. How did those how did those relationships transform over time? And, and what, what was the reaction from, from, from your boss and other people, your coworkers and, and kind of the success that you started having, but first off, what was that success? How did those relationships transform? Yes. I would say that um, maybe one or two of the people were my customers going into those. Um, and now we do them quarterly. I do two separate ones in two different parts of the city. So I can tap into two groups of top producing agents. Um, and uh, I would say the majority of the people in there are my customers. The other ones will be at some point. And that's, again, I don't, I don't talk about that. It just happens naturally. So, um, so, that's, that's so, awesome. so that concept um, is now, uh, you know, I'm, that's part of what I'm, I, I'm going to teach other regions of our company. I don't want to interrupt, but re- remember what you're about to say, okay. but, but I also want to hang on what you just said. So now you've taken a business that, and we're, we're going to call it a business for, for this exercise. You've taken a business, which is this mastermind that you've just started. And because you've gone through that process, you've built and created your own mastermind. You've facilitated a mastermind and this mastermind is prosperous. You're going to go teach what you just learned to a ton of other people. In essence, it's like now I'm going back to real estate going back to anything that we do. Right. And I often see that progression in many of the most successful people that I talk to. It's like, Hey, like, this is what I just learned. Now I'm going to go teach this, right. I'm not just going to hoard this for myself. Like I'm the only one who knows how to create business this way. Nobody else has to know. No, I'm going to go teach this because I'm adding more value to other people, but also I'm building a bigger business portfolio, which is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. That's, um, I found that those people that hold their cards close to their chest they, they, they end up with only those cards. <laughs> Whereas people that say, look, here's my cards. Here's what I've learned. You end up attracting people that have better hand than you do. And they say, Hey, take this card. Hey, try this. Hey, let's improve upon this. And you end up finding your tribe a lot, a lot faster than, than kind of the scarcity mentality. In fact, it's been interesting is in the, within those masterminds, there's certain people that have declined. And typically those people were on the lower end of the scale of people that would have been permitted in any way. Again, cause I'm very exclusive as far as the production level to get into those meetings but the people that are the highest producers are willing to like, yeah, you bet. Here's, here's everything I'm using. Happy to give it to you. And I think they, there's comfort in the fact that that's, see, that's interesting. The, the, even people who are very, very successful, they, they realize that nobody's going to do it exactly like them. And they're not going to be doing it to the same group of people. So who cares? Right. And even if, even if somebody does, does it and does it well and does it, um, you know, does it, better than you to the same people who you would have done it to. Guess what? There's still so many other people that need that value, right? And in that scenario that I shared, it's like, it's highly unlikely that anybody's going to have the same network as you and be able to deliver it the same way that you are. And it's, I just think that we as a human race and as a, as, as a business race, right, get so much better when we just share what we learn instead of, instead of not, you know? Yeah. I love it. You know, I love it. Abundant minded. The other day on your podcast, we talked about the, we talked about you know, I brought up a scenario uh, with, with um, a guy who reached out to me. He was just like, "Hey, Dore, I'm a I'm a I'm a new agent, and I've been trying to get new business. I've been you know pounding the pavement really really hard, and he's been doing a lot of work, but all his work consists of like asking people for new business, right? And I, I kind of positioned it to where I'm not an agent, right? But I work with a ton of agents as well, and I kind of positioned it to where how much value are you adding to these people that you're reaching? How much value are you adding on a daily basis? And there was no value there. There was a lot of work there. There was a lot of, hey, I'm reaching out to this person. I'm connecting here. I'm following up, which business will trickle in if you have a certain amount of effort. It'll trickle in every once in a while. But for you to actually 
build an actual business, right? We talked about a whole lot of value and I see that's what you're doing here. But when, from your point of view, right? Because you got my point of view. From your point of view on this podcast, how can realtors add more value to make sure that they're starting to see consistent business? I mean, I think going back to the principle of, of having an abundant mindset is you've got to give before you take, you know, and it's so common taught. You know, I attend a lot of real estate agent trainings and it's so common to have people ask, 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 ask. And I think there's absolutely a, a place for that. But I also think that if you can give, 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 the asking will become a lot easier. And sometimes you won't even have to because the right people will reciprocate. Be like, how can I help you? Um, you know, the book that I'm writing is called The Upstream Model. And the concept is that I learned it as a high-end home builder. Again, how did I, how did I overcome those odds of, again, being alive as long as my comp- competitors had been in business? Everybody knew that architects were a great resource for real estate agents, or sorry, for builders to go get new business. The problem is they all walked in and did the same thing with mud on their boots, literally. They would walk in, you know, kind of barge in, uh, interrupt the architect, put down a stack of cards and brochures and say, I'm a really good builder. Let me tell you why. Here's all the homes I've built spend three minutes talking about themselves, leave the stack of cards, leave the brochures and say, Hey, I'd love to bid on your projects. And it's like, I think that's a little bit to the extreme, but I think a lot of real estate agents do the same thing is that they feel like they, they realize that whether it's someone in their sphere or some powerful referral partner, like an attorney or like a CPA or like a financial advisor who could be a really valuable resource, they go in and they go into pitch mode, right? It's the same thing that I learned and, and committed to not doing these masterminds, which is make it all about me and, and with my hand out. Right. Instead, it's I'm I'm going in with the sole purpose of I got to find out what's plaguing this person. What's their biggest challenge? Because if I can walk out with that and then go and put my knowledge and network to work on solving that problem, they're going to want to have me back and they're going to want to say, how can I reciprocate? And so I can tell you've been taught well. (laughs) I've got some some amazing mentors, one of which is you, my friend. But the 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 concept of, of giving before asking but sometimes people, I think, mistake in that is of, of sitting around waiting because, again, the people that go get business are the ones that make it happen. But I think you can go get business. Uh, you know, there's a great book called The Go-Giver, right? Which is like you're I a go- I love that book. Oh, my goodness. Like you're a go-getter, but you're actually going out to, to give. And I think having that mentality of like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go make things happen. I'm not going to sit around and wait for my phone to ring, wait for people to reach out to me. I'm going to go make things happen but I'm doing it in the spirit of how many people can I help today? How many people can I, how many problems can I solve for other people? Yeah. Um, and, and it's not, it's not with, and we're not saying that you're doing this with the expectancy of something in return, right? I think we're saying the exact opposite, but just through that natural flow and progression, there are going to be people who are going to reciprocate that value. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you find the right people who, like you said, are, are, are reciprocal and they want to contribute, not just take, um, that's your tribe, right? Those are the people who you can continue to pour into and there'll always be an ROI yeah. and, and, and in reverse as well. You know, anytime they give to you, you're like, how can I give back? That was huge. You know, it's not, yeah. there's takers and there's givers. Um, and, and I think you've got to be a go getter, but you've got to give, you know, be somebody who gives, who really is genuinely inter- interested in helping other people, not just from a standpoint of, of, and what's this going to mean for me, right? But genuinely, how can I help Ray get what he wants. Right? How do I help whoever's in front of me get the life that they want? Um, and we go with that mentality and it's amazing what the doors that start to open and the people that, that start um, being attracted to us, right? And we start to do great things together. 
I love it. I love it. I love it. Last question in the segment before we get to the last and final round. Now, let's take a little peek into the mastermind, hopefully, or maybe depending on where you go with this uh, this question. But a, a top producing broker, like just the average top producing broker or somebody that you've met, somebody that you mastermind with, their social media strategy. That's what I want to speak to really quick. What have you seen that has worked or what have you heard that gets results in this day and age in 2019 going into 2020? Yeah. You know, I think I actually had an agent that came in this morning that was asking about that newer agent, but I've been fortunate to be, to be, um, you know, an observer and um, even a mentor in some regards as to what works and what doesn't. And I think what doesn't work is again, same principle, right? As people selling the only thing that they put out there are their wins of, Hey, I just listed this home. I just sold this home. Hey, I'm doing an open house. Come see me. I think those things are totally appropriate and ought to play a part of a bigger social media plan. But if all you're doing is, is being a walking commercial for yourself, you're missing the fact that people come to social media not to be sold to, but they come to connect with you as a human. And uh, the people that do social media the best, you know, that have built really powerful businesses in part because of their social media strategy um, is that they have, you know, followed what Gary Vaynerchuk teaches, which is you're, you're to document, right? Like document your journey. And I think, um, you know, one of the examples I was sharing with an agent this morning that came in, she said, I'm really good out marketing in, in real life, out in person. I'm, I'm really good at that. She said, but I'm not good at social media. And I said, you're so close because all you have to do is start to tell the story of who you're helping. Like just simply take a picture and tell the story, not in terms of, I want to tell you how good of a realtor I am, but shine the light on other people. Like you're not going to believe the amazing, I was out doing like a, a community event, um, you know, in my real estate business. And you're not going to believe the person that I met. Here's his name. His name's um, John Doe. The guy's phenomenal. He lives in this day. He's lived here for 30 years and he had the coolest story about his, about his uh, um, time as a World War II vet. It just made me so much appreciate um, our veterans and, and, and the sacrifice that they made. So I love what I do because I get to meet some of the, some cool people. Like that right there would attract, everybody would have a warm fuzzy about that. Everybody would be like, yay for veterans, yay for, for, for um, being out in the community. And by the way, they also realized that you were there you know, as a real estate agent. And so I think it's way less about talking about, um, you know, the service that you provide and just documenting the fact that you're, you've got the privilege to be out making a difference in people's lives with the, with the spotlight on them, not on you. Lifestyle design acceleration hacks. What is your favorite before the millions book? That's a great, a great question. Um, you know, because it's probably fresh on my mind, this, this answer might vary from time to time, but I would say the 10X rule by Grant Cardone. I've talked a lot about this book recently, but I think until you put in, until number one, you take accountability that your life is a product of the decisions that you make. And number two, you put in enough um, effort and emphasis on getting it the way you want. Um, I think we're all missing out on untapped potential. And so I love that book because it, it just causes us to, 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 to take extreme ownership um, over who we are and where we're headed and um, allows us to really start to, to realize that, that we, we are driving our own car, right? That we get to direct where we end up to lar- in, in large part. Yeah, I love it. I love it. That that book has been kind of like my theme of the year for my clients. I've given that book to every single client that that has kind of come up on the under the umbrella. I think it's it's one of the most powerful books out there. So great recommendation. Um, what is your favorite lifestyle design app? This can be a business app or tool. Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Let me open it up. So so recently, 
And I've really found the power in having a really good solid CRM. You know, my company uses Salesforce and I, I didn't use it for the longest time because I really, um, I, I thought it was too much, right? Salesforce is a behemoth if anybody's ever used it. Yeah. And I uh, um, actually was having a conversation with my boss and mentor and I said, can we just get something more simple that just simply keeps checking this, this basic information? And his comment to me was, this is the equivalent of me handing you the keys to a Porsche and you saying, you know, I don't know how to drive a Porsche. Can I just get oh, like, a, man. Like, like an old Honda Civic? And I was like, I, uh, <laughs> I stand corrected. So I've, so I've dug into to, to, to learn this. And, and I, I say this because I think at the foundation of any business are relationships. And if you don't have some tool that's helping you to really keep track of your relationships and what matters to those people and what their biggest challenges are, um, we're going to spend a lot of time um, with people and that, that we can't really serve and help at a deep level. And I think going deeper as opposed to wide creates really powerful businesses and lives. And I think a, a solid CRM, I'm not promoting Salesforce, whatever it may be, that allows you to keep track of your contacts and then religiously go in and put in what matters to these people and how you can serve them and help them uh, allows you to start your day rather than in your email inbox, which is what everybody else wants you to be doing for the day. allows you to intentionally go pour into the relationships that matter the most to you. What do you enjoy most about the way your lifestyle is currently designed? Um, you know, I'm a father of six children. My wife and I are super ambitious when it comes to having a family. And, uh, you know, I've, I sometimes one might think that you can't, you can't be very ambitious and aggressive in business. When I say aggressive, I mean aggressive in growth, not aggressive in relationships, but, and have a big family. Like it's gotta be one or the other. And, um, I've found right now, because I'm in the process of, of, of writing a book that I've got a lot of untapped potential. Um, and so I've been getting up, uh, for the past probably two and a half months from four to 6am, I get up and I write it's, it's quiet time. Maybe the only quiet time in my house. Um, and I write for two hours. Then my son comes and joins me. Read, we study the scriptures together for, you know, 30 minutes. And then I go for a run for 30 minutes. Then I hit the shower and I head to work. Um, and so just realizing how much power there is in a powerful morning routine, whatever it looks like for you, realizing that that's the time when people aren't expecting much of you and you can really expect a lot of yourself as far as designing the life that you really want. I love it. Beautifully said. What were the sacrifices that you knew you had to make before the millions to get to where you are today? Yeah, great question. I think, I mean, part of it's sleep, right? I mean, again, um, wealth to me is defined um, in the, the relationships and the impact that we can make. Obviously, that ends up uh, rolling into millions of dollars um, for a lot of people, right? But I think uh, having six children, having a wife, like there's a lot of things that I don't, that I choose not to do anymore. One of which is just this past year, this is probably going to make some people cringe, but I actually did an official announcement that I was officially retiring from being, being an avid college football fan. Keep in mind, I, I played a year of college football. Like I grew up watching the Oregon Ducks, um, I went to college at BYU where, where, you know, they're always on TV. And so I, I learned that, um, that was taking about eight hours of my time, waking hours on the weekends. And oftentimes maybe because I chose bad teams, some would probably argue that, uh, or teams that don't always win that I would leave eight hours disappointed. And it's like, and yet all the while my kids are wanting to play with me, but I'm too busy because my eyes are on the screen. And so to get the lifestyle that I want, 
is to have deep relationships with, with people both at home and in business. And that wasn't necessarily helping. Now, if I'm going to a game and taking my kid with me, um, or taking a friend and a colleague, that's a different story. But when it's just me one-on-one with a TV, it's not a good use of time. And so that was really difficult for the first week. And then immediately I was like, this is amazing. I can go watch, you know, the highlights, the fourth quarters, the overtimes in 20 minutes. And I either celebrate, in fact, last week, uh, you know, my, my BYU Cougars lost in a last second Hail Mary throw. Um, and I was disappointed, but it was 10 minutes commitment instead of four hours commitment. And I was like, I'm okay with that, right? And I think when I really get PO'd is when I like spent four hours and it doesn't end up how I want it to end up. That's like, it's just ruined my whole weekend. But it's 10 minutes. I'm like, I'll get over it. It's fine. And I moved on and I was able to spend better quality time with my family. So there's some things you got to sacrifice and, and mostly in time. So yeah. you can spend time doing the things that, that, that get you the results you want. I love that. I love that. And, and hopefully you're not an avid fantasy footballer, are you? I'm not. Okay, cool. Because that would eat into your time. <laughs> Trust me, I know this from experience. <laughs> heard that. Fortunately, I've spared myself from that. There you go. Who was essential to your growth before the millions and why? I'd say my mom. She's the first one that comes to mind. Um, you know, she was an entrepreneur, like growing a business, you know, at, at a time when, um, you know, maybe female entrepreneurs, I mean, I'm not that old, she's not that old, but but really for her to go in and build a great business in a in a world that was very dominated by men uh, was super inspiring for her to um, just see, you know, the, the way she dealt with the disappointments, the way she felt with people saying terrible gossip things about her that weren't true because they were jealous of her success, the way she handled that with integrity um, and the way that she dug in and um, built against all odds, you know, from a small town and moved us midway through my junior year in high school to, to pursue uh, these big accounts that she'd acquired in her business um, yet knowing that it was going to be in our best interest, which today I, I swear by that we moved to a different place, which was the best thing that happened in my high school years. Um, all of these things, I just, it's, she made tough decisions um, for the right reasons. And um, as a result, my life's better. And she's, she's uh, always been my biggest champion. So. Go mom. I love it. I love it. I love it. Mom. Team mom. <laughs> Last but not least, why do you think so many of us are stuck before the millions, even though we have every intention of getting to the millions. Yeah. You know, um, this TV behind me here, right there, um, stands for think bigger. And, um, I honestly believe that we create our own limitations. You know, I've shared a, a handful of mine. I've got a whole bunch more, um, of things that, that I could hold on to and use as a reason to why I don't create the life that I want. Um, uh, but to start to surround yourself with people like you, DeRay, and like the other guests that you bring on, we can't help but start to, to, to imagine even just for a moment, a different, a different possibilities. Our possibilities are expanded. And, uh, as we start to do that, we find ourselves starting to believe that maybe, maybe I can do that as well. Cause we realize that these people that have massive amounts of success, like I mentioned, I had, um, uh, Grant Cardone on an episode or two before I had you on, which, um, you are. You guys got to go check it out. <laughs> Posted something. I was like, man, how do I follow up Grant Cardone? <laughs> we will see. <laughs> it's fine. Trust me. You just thank fun. you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but uh, I realized like he's just a normal guy. You know, he just, he just believed that he could have a bigger impact uh, than most people believe. And as a result, his actions followed. As a result, his results followed. And then as a result, his impact is followed. He's got a, you know, a worldwide global brand now as a result. I think it all again believes I mean, it all begins with what we believe about ourselves and how we talk to ourselves uh, when, when, you know, when no one else is talking. Like, what are we saying about ourselves? 
That self-talk. I love it. I love it. I love it. Justin, this has been an amazing podcast episode. I've learned so much. We've kind of totally went left and I think it was the right thing to do. Um, so thank you so much for the value that you've added to myself, especially, but also the listeners. And if the listeners want to learn a little bit more about you, if they want to reach out to you or find out a little bit more about what you do, where can they find some of your information at? Yeah, I appreciate that. It's, it's been really fun for me. You ask, you're such a great interviewer that uh, you've thank had you. me speaking things that uh, no one's questions that no one's asked me before. So you're really, really talented here. So thank you again for the opportunity. Uh, people can find me if they just go to thinkbigger.realestate. Um, again, thinkbigger.realestate. There's not a .com at the end of that. Just thinkbigger.realestate. Uh, that's my website. Uh, you can kind of follow my social channels there. Uh, or you can find me again on uh, kind of all the major, all the major uh, social media platforms. Justin Stoddart. I'm sure you probably have my name up. Uh, it's a T at the end, not a D, but you can find me on any, any channels and uh, yeah, always looking to connect with great people. So. Boom. Another one in the book. So you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Justin Stoddard. Justin, thank you so much. And we'll talk to you very, very soon.